Okay. Uh, just real quickly, let me run down what I got uh, uh, lined up today. We have the, uh, the the Kennedy race postmortem and the article in Politico about that. Um, I also have I have an absolutely satanic article from the New York Times about uh, divinity consultants working with offices to make. I, I can't even describe it. I just have to read it to you. And then That's I have, I and then I have. Um, if we have time or you're interested, I have an excerpt from Matt Iglesias's new book about how there needs to be a billion Americans. I haven't read this, but like maybe it would be That's interesting weird. To, just, to just cold read it and see if we can all just try to figure out what the fuck. No, other things I had were um, that thing Joanne Reed said. Oh, that was oh, right. Funny. That was funny. And you that said that. Uh, funny. Um, and Tiger King. What about it? Did we, did we, ever, did we ever talk about <laughs> Tiger King? <laughs> I don't because think so. I've got some. I've got some thoughts on it. <laughs> okay. Uh, you also mentioned the the Bella Thorne OnlyFans kerfuffle. No, I, I that was a mistake. I meant to type that into Google. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember a while ago, Virgil, you were talking about how you wanted to start. Yeah, didn't? Weren't you talking about doing an OnlyFans, Virgil? Yeah, but it, like everyone else got on it, and like the novelty value of that kind of wore off but the novelty value of you hasn't worn off because you're in you're in you're in shorter supply now than you've ever been yeah people have been craving uh, more virtual content yeah that's a good point that's a good point i don't know i've got to think about it because after you know after bella thorne went on she kind of screwed everything up for everyone and i would feel bad if I screwed everything up for everyone, because then it's like, ah, oh, whoops. <laughs> and everyone's, ah, oh, you oaf, you, you destroyed the website. Yeah, but... That's the livelihood you for just, thousands of people. All you have to do is remind them that they're not allowed to get mad at you, which is rule number one when engaging with you. Right, but, I mean, where am I going to communicate that? Because then I'll... On your OnlyFans. Only yeah. yeah, but the OnlyFans will have been screwed up by my <laughs> oafishness, by my, my moron dumb-dumbness. You can, get, that, you can get like a vibey neon sign in the background of your OnlyFans that says, you are not allowed to get mad at me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like those, um, uh, like those neon signs by that, that, that artist. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, or could, even you, better, a series of balloons on yes, the sort of, sort of back brick lot wall that says, uh, you cannot get mad at me, Virgil, Texas. And what then you're standing that? by it and kind of waving. What what is that? I've been seeing that. I don't it's, know what that is. It's 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 some artist whose art is um artist. Having, uh, uh, amazingly cloying um sort of slogans and and self affirmations, but just sort of written in in balloons. In mylar balloons, yeah. So his medium is balloon. Yes, yeah, it's balloon. And it's like don't forget to drink water, but in a balloon form, which oh, is Jesus. what everyone was waiting to see it in to really take That's it, not take it to fun. Heart. That's we'll what you want to communicate? Yeah. Yeah. Well, think how much better it would be if the message was um, subscribe to Virgil Texas OnlyFans. P.S. You cannot get mad at me. <laughs> by yeah, agreeing, okay. by so agreeing you I, were signing a contract I, that you cannot get mad at me. Well, how do I hire the, the balloon man? Is he available for parties? <laughs> <laughs> Is he in a listing of children's entertainers? <laughs> That'd be amazing. It's like some kids. Hey, some a mom who's on Twitter too much hires him for her kid's birthday party, and the kids are all excited that they're going to do balloon animals. But it's just he puts out on on, <laughs> like the, on the fence. It just says, "You are valid." <laughs> it costs eighty thousand dollars. Uh, yeah. Well, also, will he work for a free OnlyFans subscription? <laughs> because that's kind of what I've got right now in terms of currency. I mean, as as I understand the uh, the the Bella Thorne uh, kerfuffle, I mean, I I think she fucked up the platform by 
by joining it at like a very high rate. It was like $200 to follow her or something. And then charging extra for like a nude photo. Right. Which like yeah. Tons of fucking suckers um, just, just, you know, cashed out for. And then like the photo wasn't nude. So what happened was there was just like, they did all these a, a ton of people asked for a refund at the same time and it crashed the website. So as long as yeah. you don't do that, well, Virgil, I, mean, that, I think you're, that's, well, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's. I mean, I don't really know exactly how credit cards work. I mean, so there's some element of magic in there, I'm sure. But yeah, I, I'm going to guess if you're this, you know, big e-commerce website, it's pretty bad if like thousands of people are making fucking chargebacks. Like you, you probably get penalized in some. Yeah, way. it's sort of like a. Uh, I bet it's, it's. I imagine it's sort of like in It's a Wonderful Life, and the and like Steve OnlyFans <laughs> is saying to all the ma- all the angry horny guys, oh, yeah, "Your money's not here." It's <laughs> 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 Mia Khalifa's OnlyFans. Had to do with a change in their their uh, uh, website where now you can't charge more than a certain amount. Maybe it's yeah. like fifty, maybe it's like a hundred. No, no, when, when, when I, when I say I'm going to give you nudes, that, that, that's uh, that's a measure of trust. It's not just a, it's not just a subscription. It's a measure of our community. <laughs> but I don't know. I I can imagine like. <laughs> Hey, you know, if it's a website, I'm going to ruin it. You know, I'm just, I'm just a klutz. <laughs> That's the Virgil Texas promise. I won't. I uh, will ruin it, but you're not allowed to get mad at me when it happens. <laughs> There you go. I mean, I, I won't do that specific thing that Bella Thorne did, but I mean, hey, who knows what I'm going to do, you know? You take might, a- get, might get in the HTML there, and I, you know, I might spill something. <laughs> yeah, you go you go to the OnlyFans, like, server farm to take a picture of your asshole and, like, trip over the cord and knock the whole thing offline. Yeah, so uh, if you're interested in the Virgil, Texas OnlyFans, you know, just send a shout. It's chapotraphouse at gmail.com. There we go. And, uh, there we go. Wow! All right, that yeah. was yeah. free too. Yeah. Got oh wow! All right, we got our we got our episode art right there. Yeah, yeah there absolutely. You go. That's that's done. Yeah. So uh, yeah, shout shout back at us if you want the OnlyFans, and also you, tip us two hundred dollars <laughs> through OnlyFans. <laughs> Just for make our, it, for our make it only, just make it only fans for us for the for, so that you can tip us two hundred dollars. Yes. I, I I mean a, a lot of people who got mad at her were sort of like um you know she's coming on this platform as an already famous person and she's like taking money away from uh you know smaller content creators and I I agree because I feel the exact same way about the Pete Buttigieg podcast. I mean he's he's gentry he's gentrifying the podcast space. So we have these, absolutely these former there was a low there was a low income podcast. In that in that space that he he demolished to build the Pete Buttigieg podcast, absolutely, where you can get my ties for fifteen dollars. <laughs> okay, should we start three the, dollar uh, oysters on Tuesday? Oh, it's just it, it occurred to me that, um, the kind of the kind of content you could have on your OnlyFans, Virgil. It, I mean, I would be, it would be similar to you sharing the idea that you shared during the uh, the Republican National Convention stream. You sort of showed up, um, sort of as a surprise guest to share. A, a sort of a rather I've been I've been thinking about this idea since you told me it, Virgil. And um, would you like to explain your Papa oh, John's the, oh, Domino's? The, oh, theory? yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So here's my idea: order Papa John's, then dispose of the Papa John's pizza. It's garbage. It's totally trash. Not garbage. not, not, not fit, fit, fit for, for the toilet. human consumption. Don't even give it to like a homeless person. Just throw it. Out. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cruel. 
and then order a Domino's pizza, vastly superior, you know, heroic meal what? right there. <laughs> true. Absolutely true. No lie there. And dip the Domino's pizza in the garlic sauce from the Papa John's. Now, isn't that the most decadent thing? Isn't that, isn't that a, a, a perfect just an act to emulate the, the steady dissolution of, of late capitalist empire? I compared it to eating an Ortolan bunting. Uh, Ortolan bunting where you have to cover your head with a napkin when you do it to hide your shame from God. And I would think uh, uh, th- throwing away a Papa John's pizza just to get the garlic sauce so that you can dip a Domino's pizza in it is an act <laughs> equally as transgressive in its, its decadence and gluttony. Yeah. And the way I know that for sure is that when you first described that to me, I thought, oh, I could see doing that. I mean, I wouldn't, but at the same time, it's not just, it's, it's, it's the perfect decadent thing because it is horribly wasteful, but there is a kernel of genuine, like, pleasure to it. It's just disgusting been, and absurd you've to been try obs- to pursue it. You've been obsessed with it, haven't you? It's been in the yep. back of your head. Well, the it's, thing it's, is, Papa John's garlic sauce is pretty good, but the pizza itself is a fucking tire tread. Ugh. It's disgusting. No, Meanwhile, you, Domino's, man. especially the ultra-thin crust... That's some freaking pizza. It's very good. I'm just I'm imagining. Or, I'm I mean, imagining I, I won't say mind. very good. But well, right. It's it's a, it's a, it's a, a getting anywhere in the last resort. House, not bad. Yeah. But but imagine how much better it would be, Will, with <laughs> the Papa John sauce. And then yes, there would be an added disgusting pleasure to knowing that you threw away a perfectly quote unquote good pizza to do it. There is an, a certain erotic frisson from it yes. right and and virgil you could charge two hundred dollars for a video of you doing demonstrating <laughs> the, the garlic sauce Domino's no you crossover. can't charge the two hundred dollars that's how this whole crap started don't no we're stop doing underval- it we're stop undervaluing it yourself virgil stop undervaluing you're underbidding no, you're negotiating against how, yourself this is how everyone's gonna get mad at me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well okay you know i said this i said this idea to someone and they said they fired Papa John, right? And I yeah. said, no, he's still their father. That's for life. He's still there. He still gives birth to all those pizzas <laughs> like the alien queen. And I, in retrospect, I, I, I don't think he ever promised to stop being racist. He didn't. He just told people that they would pay for making him have any consequences for us. <laughs> like some like kind a of, fucking supervillain. Like, yeah, some Edward Batman villain. <laughs> he said, uh, by the way, in, in that interview, he said a, a time of reckoning is coming. Yes, it was about was two it. weeks before COVID destroyed this country. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. He dropped we it shall in see. the water we supply. Shall see, uh, he put it in the garlic sauce supply. Father John. Yeah, there's, there's no apology, and he's still there. We can't keep letting him get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> can't keep letting Virgil Texas get away with shit. That's that's deploy the can deploy the cancelers. Please stop this man. Okay, well let's uh, should we should we dip into the uh, the the uh, regular show? We'll dip into the the news. I guess uh, this all has been news. Bat. All of this has been news. Yeah, well, <laughs> we're not the, the political news. I wish I, I suppose everything is political, Virgil. So, you know, I'll, I'll stop you there. Personal is the political. Yeah, I'll stop you there before you interject. Uh, but let's begin with, the, I guess, the, the, the Kennedy Markey uh, postmortem. Um, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it Kennedy eating shit? Does that. I, I found that a Morse losing uh, did not salve. I mean, like, that tasted so, so nasty that uh, Kennedy also losing. Um, Sort of, I don't know. It it sort of well, evened yeah, out. I mean, in all, my... it, all it is is like you're fending off a goblin attack, but it doesn't change the fact that you've got you know trolls in your house. The fact that okay, there aren't any goblins coming, that doesn't help you with the troll problem. Like uh, what's his name, Richie Neal, corrupt piece of shit that he is. But I would say that uh, 
yeah, there's it, there's as always there's limited things to ever feel good about. Certainly when you're talking about electoral politics, uh, and the and the and the Neil Morse race is is certainly a disappointment. Uh, and there is you you can go too overboard by by just enjoying the Markey thing as Schadenfreude because watching the first Kennedy ever to compete in Massachusetts in a competitive primary just go down is it's it's especially after running the campaign he did it's very satisfying but the other thing to say that a lot of people have is you know people got excited about this race mainly because uh, uh, joe kennedy was like doing a little Buttigieg thing and it and it gave them this outsized appreciation for a guy in ed markey who is at the end of the day a more liberal than centrist but still yeah. bog standard uh democrat yeah uh, and i would say that yeah, that's true, but also true is the fact that a lot of people campaigned for him and he was able to succeed electorally because he embraced specifically shit like actually going through with the Green New Deal uh, and, and, and pushing forward, saying, hey, there's a social contract that the government has to hold up instead of telling everyone that he's just going to hear their, uh, their, their misery and tell them that they're valid with mylar balloons like uh, Joe Kennedy, and that... If you have enough of that, if, if that, if that becomes a coherent enough electoral force, it doesn't matter what the past records of politicians might be or what they even think, because they will actually be potentially disciplined by the, by the voters. I'm not saying that will happen. I'm just saying it's a possibility that the mechanism of which has been demonstrated here in Massachusetts. But of course, most of all, it's just really funny watching that disgusting, translucent bog monster eat <laughs> Well, I should. I, I, why don't we dive into this Politico article because you know th- th- this is being held up as the sort of definitive uh, post mortem of the campaign. It has all the juiciest quotes. So uh, let, let's dive into here. This is in Politico. Uh, why Joe Kennedy's Senate campaign flopped? And I'm just going to jump in the middle here. It says uh, um, Kennedy's failure to lay out a rationale for taking on Markey wasn't the sole cause of his defeat. Rather, it was symptomatic of a campaign that was too confident for too long. It didn't think the usual rules applied or that the 74-year-old Markey had enough fight in him to fend off one of the Democratic Party's brightest young stars. There was a really strong reason for running. I don't think they were ever able to articulate it. That's the problem, said political. <laughs> how strong could Doug it have Rune. been, dude? <laughs> I mean, how dumb are you then? Yeah. Like, how, like, okay, there's a strong reason for running, but this self-evident thing is not, we can't express it. Well, then you probably shouldn't be in politics. Well, Matt, have you ever seen a sunset <laughs> that's that's self-evident but put that into words it's true uh maybe they, instead of uh, like you know a campaign slogan they should have had a campaign painting or maybe like sort of zen koan or something yes um, yes it says here uh koan i've always felt that the best campaigns are the ones of the right candidate at the right moment i actually thought joe was the right candidate for this moment and for whatever reason they were never able to win that argument and frame the race that way <laughs> <laughs> oh, darp, could do it. Ah, darn, ah, raspberries. So their entire campaign strategy was, hey, this guy's a Kennedy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hey, dumb fucks, this guy's a Kennedy. Yeah. And can and, you read that? Do you see that? Can you see? Can you read that? K. Well, it, it's not. It's not just a Kennedy thing. It says here, uh, Kennedy built his campaign on the promise that he would show up in Massachusetts as opposed to his opponent, who spent too much time in Washington. He's a he fucking would've... senator. I don't. I don't get this. This argument about like, oh, you didn't spend enough time in Massachusetts. Like, no, he's elected to the Senate. The Senate's in it's D.C. Not, That's where the it's, fucking it's not, the work gets done. But the thing done. is, it's not an argument, and it, because that 
the fact that they went to that is evidence that they didn't have anything else because that's the very bottom of the barrel. That's the lowest common, that's the lowest hanging fruit you can have. And in so doing, by the way, earlier, like in June, I think, he listed a bunch of towns that like Ed Markey hadn't uh, gone to in a while, and three of them had been evacuated and flooded by a reservoir in the <laughs> 20s. <laughs> you know, well, on that, I've always found really interesting the, politi- the political culture in Hawaii and Alaska where they just elect senators for like the same guy for like 50 years. Yeah. And then they just put them on a plane to Washington and say, all right, we don't want to see you. Just bring back the money. Just send, yeah. send money yeah. home like, like, resi- like, like residual checks for like an overseas worker in Dubai or something. <laughs> like, an, like an Irish immigrant in the 19th century. <laughs> yeah, just Ted Stevens, you know, he picks up his bindle stick and he walks to Washington. <laughs> Sending uh, letters with- home with fat checks in them. It says here, the scion of the state's iconic political design- dynasty would win by assembling a coalition of, of voters of color who didn't always vote, similar to how Rep. Ayanna Presley upset a veteran Massachusetts incumbent two years earlier, former Congressman Michael Capuno. His candidacy was designed around the idea that a vote for Kennedy was an investment in his seemingly limitless political future, while Markey was already on his way out the door. What Kennedy didn't envision was the way Markey would reinvent himself as a darling of the progressive left over the course of the year, harnessing the energies of energy of young voters and climate activists. Make this sick child's dream come true. (laughs) Please, sir. Mike Kennedy, he's dying. His liver is not doing well. He's the kid with intermittent death syndrome from Mr. Show. (laughs) But of course they were wrong. That night, Larry played before 3,000 screaming fans who'd been individually called by his mother and agreed to not hurt his feelings. The next day, he confounded his doctor by not dying. However, still on the brink of death, he expressed a wish to attend Harvard. The university, tipped off by his mother, was sympathetic to his condition and awarded him a doctoral degree. This would be his last victory, his doctor thought. But Larry surprised everyone by remaining alive. It says here, in Kennedy's eyes, Markey's new image didn't square with his record, which is more in line with Joe Biden than Sanders or Warren. Kennedy often pointed to Markey's support of the 1994 crime bill and the Iraq war on the debate stage. But that didn't matter to Markey's energetic online base. See, here's the thing. That was that was a bad idea. Making your pitch invest in this Kennedy because. One, you know, bad investment, period, you know. Yeah. Like, get a good insurance policy. I'll just say that. And two, uh, there's a billion of them. It's like how animals, like, there's two kinds of reproductive strategies. And some animals just have, like, one or two kids and take care of them. And then others are, like, like mice, and they just have, like, you know, a shitload of uh, fucking kids. Um, with the Kennedys, it's like, you don't have to invest in any individual one. Because there's just a whole fucking a, 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 a wheelbarrow full of them. Yes, but he is the only one with fewer than double-digit DUIs. Um, I don't I think. Are you reading? Are you just reading his rookie card? <laughs> in, uh, in in 2018, you know, he really uh, he really broke out. I believe J.K. the Third is a teetotaler, though. I don't think he does drink alcohol to avoid yeah, because the, he knows what fam- would happen if he did. It would be like when, yeah. if he did, it would be like when uh, fucking uh, when Barney had the uh, non-alcoholic champagne after completing flight training. <laughs> It begins. <laughs> it's in the blood. It's in the blood, Lord. Well, well, the I mean, what, 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 how does he get high? Off, uh, uh, just righteousness. Vote, voter, Hel- helping, voter helping Americans. Helping Americans struggle. 
So I mean, so he says he achieve the hopes of our dreams in a new dynamic paradigm that includes all Americans. He only has gone on the record by saying he doesn't drink, right? Only yeah. just about alcohol. What, what what is his record on other drugs? As he's ever said, you know. Oh, by the way, I also don't. Uh, I I don't smoke PCP. Well, he's against weed uh, legalization because then it would reduce the amount of probable cause a police officer could cite to do a, a search of a car that they pulled over for unrelated well, I mean, reasons. That that's a good that's a good point, Matt. And it, it, it's funny, like it, it was also. A mistake for Kennedy to bring up um, Markey's bad votes in the past, and you know, like in, in you know, in a decent future, Markey would serve a jail term before taking this, his seat in the Senate yeah. for his vote for the Iraq War, obviously. Yeah, but like I, just highlighting um, his bad votes in the past, like for the Iraq War and for the crime bill, just reminds people that like, oh, like Joe Kennedy the Third is exactly that guy too. Well, that's like, the thing. It's like uh, he didn't he didn't vote for the war in Iraq because he was he was a zygote. He was like a little throbbing uh like a uh, bud that was gonna like fall off of uh what ronald kennedy i don't even know who the other ones are he's yeah he's like he was like he was a barnacle on the hull of like one of the boats that they had at, uh at hyannis port and they just scraped him off and uh put him in some uh uh like uh nutrient-rich solution and he butted into a politician well i mean like so, the whole but thing you know that like he would have done that of course he yeah. would have been in favor of the war in iraq of course he would have been in favor of the crime bill of course he, like in order to challenge markey uh on on any kind of bad record on votes that were like too pro-corporate or too conservative you would have to have some plausible case to be not that guy and all he had was the same it was the empty toolbox of youth uh and id paul lingo Basically, because at one point he said, like, one of his uh, aides went through the Green New Deal, uh, that uh, legislation that Markey had written. And like he said, racism isn't even found in here. You know, I mean, just like the most cynical shit with nothing, nothing to back it up. Not even an identity peg beyond I'm a Kennedy, which I guess like, you know, uh, he needs to be elected to like center uh, victims of gun violence or. Uh, there to was center, someone who, to there, center there's, victims of the Kennedys, yeah. of the Kennedy family. I mean, there was someone who said today that, you know, like, uh, we shouldn't be too hard on Joe because, um, you know, his 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 grandfather and great uncle were victims of gun violence. Yeah. And he was. <laughs> saw that. And I was just like, you know, you know Wait, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. That? Yeah. Yeah. No, someone yeah, actually funny. said that. And they, they were a former <laughs> they, they were a former Bernie staffer. And it's just like, well, you know, yeah, they, they both were killed by guns. But when people like think about like victims of gun violence, they're not thinking about victims of politi- high profile political assassinations. Like that's sort of a rarefied Who's era of people. Uh, it, was, it was some some Bernie staffer. I forget. I forget what their name was. But uh, but also, um, if he was really pissed off about the people who killed his grandfather and great uncle, like why wouldn't he be like you know if Felix he'd be were here, what, he'd be investigating fucking George H W Bush and yeah. the CIA. Like, has he shown also, any also fire I- in his belly to, to bring justice to his fucking grandfather yeah. and great uncle? <laughs> no. One note also: the only people who like Kennedys in this day and age are you know one dipshits, morons, dodos, that sort of thing, and that's the the amount of vote that Kennedy got. And two, elderly Republicans. Yeah. They, that's why they're always people love Kennedy. They yeah, love they're Jeff always yes, they, yes, exactly, and they're always saying shit like you know John F. Kennedy. He was the last good Democrat, which is yeah. code for you know pre Civil Rights Act. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why if uh, if he really cared about this, and I don't think he does. Like that's one of the reasons it's fun to make fun of this guy is because he doesn't really care. He's relieved. Yeah. He didn't want to do that job. You could tell. Just like every time he ever spoke in public, he just had the stammering, the fucking doe eyed panic in his eye. Uh, just did not look like he, he was going to really relish the spotlight. Uh, 
And uh, the other is, if he really cared, he'd fucking become a Republican and say, "Me and my, me and my non-dead uncle John Jeff Kennedy Jr. <laughs> are gonna are gonna bring all the sickos to justice." You don't think he would become? He could be president on that line in a few years. Okay, so so Joe Kennedy, you know, he's got a few career options out of him. One, uh, you know, full QAnon. Uh, you know, there's money in that, and probably a Senate seat some in a few years. Well, you uh, know what though? Uh, or two and two and two. Um, uh, drinking. I think he should take up drinking. Just go. I, I would well, like to Virgil, see the, the result. The, That's the, for sure. The, the, the people are speculating now, though, that he may just get appointed to the Massachusetts Senate if Joe Biden appoints Elizabeth Warren to any any kind of cabinet position. Which a, I don't think Joe Biden's going to do for Elizabeth. I don't Warren. think so. I don't, I don't think, think he's so. going to do that for her. So I mean, why would he have? To, why would he? Yeah. Yeah, why, why the fuck would he? What's, he wouldn't offer her a, any position that she would be willing to leave the Senate for. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she's not going to be so, the fucking Treasury Secretary. So, yeah. if that is the case, then his next move is obviously to primary Elizabeth Warren. And, yeah. we're, and should he do that, I will be, I'll become a, la- I'll become a Joe lad. I will become well, a campaign is, advisor. <laughs> like, a lot of people said, why this? Why are you doing this with Marky? And the, ans- the real answer was, that they couldn't say, is that, oh, well... I can't, you know, because the thing about California, Massachusetts, Massachusetts is one of those states that just sends them and leaves them there forever. So, yeah. And, and, and it's a state that's overwhelmingly Democratic, which means you have this huge bench of Democratic politicians who have no realistic way of mo- moving up through the ranks. It's a traffic. No, it's, a, it's a bottleneck. It's a bottleneck. Uh, and so uh, these whenever there's a, a, a potential uh, a seat opening, it's a huge deal. And, yeah, I think even during the camp, like he started running, remember, 11 months ago when, like, Warren... Warren leaving at the end of her uh, uh, leaving soon was a was a more live reality than it is by right, now. Right, right. Uh, and the problem is, is that everyone assumes Ayanna Presley is going to run, and he doesn't want to run against a POC or WOC rather, which is twice as powerful. Like he can't. What he, as you look at the campaign, he ran against Markey, just like old white male med, not understanding the intersectional uh, grievances that underline you know our society. That doesn't work on anybody but an old white guy. So he basically had to do it. Although I do think it would have been really funny if he'd listened to some of his advisors, who I swear to God apparently exist, who just wanted him to run straight for president from the House of Representatives. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That would, have, that would have rolled. Hey, remember, again, again, you know, it's it, 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 like maybe that shit could fly in 1980. Yeah. But they're all Republicans now. Yeah. That's it. Uh, okay, let me get into the these. These are the juicier quotes from the piece here. Also, he probably runs. He probably runs for runs for governor. So whenever, Baker, Charlie, yeah, they, whenever Charlie Baker leaves. Well, that's the problem, though. They love having Republican governors now because they're Massachusetts Democrats, and there's no real difference between those two things. So it says here um, uh, that didn't matter to Markey's energetic online base. And now here, here are the juicy quotes. Here. It says, <laughs> Are you, Markey, are you quoted in this? The Markey campaign did a masterful job convincing voters Ed is someone he's not. One Democratic strategist with Massachusetts ties said after the primary results were tallied. Kennedy advisors concede that the campaign should have gone negative earlier and defined the incumbent while his polling numbers were low. But the campaign also blamed the press and the left wing of the party for giving Markey a free pass to reinvent himself. This is going to show you that the left doesn't do their homework and they are easily won over by bright, shiny objects, one Kennedy ally said. <laughs> no, no, no. Which, what they're okay, saying okay. is they're saying they didn't take our bright, shiny objects. Well, yes, exactly. I mean, like the, the, the implication behind that quote is that all you need to win the left over is just dangle a bauble in front of their eyes. Just just jangle yes. your car keys yeah. in front of their eyes and you'll get them on board, which begs the question, why the fuck didn't what, Joe Kennedy do no. that? Why didn't you do it? It's, and, it might and this, be because he's like, 
ideologically at, uh, committed to not doing it, and the people well, who supported his I'm basically his, 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 his a crow campaign. And uh, here's I live, the thing: I that, live like a crow, kind of look like one. Love shiny objects. Yeah, <laughs> I remember faces. <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the thing is, like, you know, they're like, oh, like, uh, uh, he got a pass and was able to redefine himself as someone he's not. And to a certain degree, I think that's true. Marky definitely leaned into, like, being, adopting the mantle of the, whatever you want to call it, what was left over of Bernie or even Warren or that, that kind of, the, 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 the squad glow of, thing. but, you know, he did it by <laughs> credibly being like, hey, I authored the Green New Deal and I'm going to go to bat for it. But the thing is, it's like, Look, you know, no one should should fool themselves into thinking Ed Markey is some kind of like democratic socialist or, or like, as we said, anything other than a kind of standard liberal democratic senator. Um, I mean, he's better than the, the fucking the average democratic senator, yeah. but like whatever, like you, you, I don't think anyone's fooling themselves about this. But the thing is, you can't have it both ways. I mean, like, look at all the people who endorse Kennedy. Isn't it clear like where they're like, like who's on whose side here? And I'm not even going to say like, you know, Ed Markey is like on our side in a way that I would imagine. But like, it's good enough to know that every, all of the worst shitheads imaginable were all on Joe Kennedy's side. And the other and thing that is it like, didn't work that they were and, able and, we were able to stop it. That's good. And like, it's just this, this weird uh, again, like it's, you know, as we said, caveat emptor uh, qualifier, it's uh it's pointless to point out hypocrisy or things like that, but it's like a similar dynamic to like when Bernie was in the race, everyone said like, oh, this is a cult. He's a cult leader. Like no one will ever, they just do what their, their, the, the, the dear leader tells them to. And then when he dropped out and was like, hey, everybody support Biden. And like, I don't know, five people on Twitter are like, yeah, I'm not going to vote for him. They're like, do what your leader says. Why aren't you, why aren't you following his orders? He says to vote for Biden. And like, you know, the other thing is like with, with this is like, you know, oh, like uh, the left is just too pure for politics. There's no one good enough for them. They'll never compromise. And here's an example of like, yeah, like everyone for the most part did compromise on someone like Markey and got behind him to, you know, for a to advance certain political goals. And like that is falling for the shiny object, the keys jangling in front of your eyes. Right. But, and, and the thing is with Markey, like you could talk to his record in the House, certainly, but his <laughs> he got to the Senate in a special election in 2013 partially by consolidating the vote of people concerned about uh, climate change and global warming. He made that like the thing. And then he, he and then in office, he fucking authored the landmark piece of uh, like legislation. Maybe. I mean, the landmark suggestion anyway. Uh, and now he gets goes to run for reelection and they're there for him. That's that's like the best case scenario for like left participation in the electoral process. And the problem, the reasons it's so hard for people to conceive of it is because everybody talks about it at the level of the president. And the thing is, is that that's the place where it's least applicable because of how huge the president's constituencies are, how remote they are from their, uh, their voters, uh, how small, relatively small uh, a, a chunk of, of, the, of the voting population like the self-conscious left represents at that level. Uh, but, and that's why Bernie had to be the guy, because he actually did have the record that could give him like credibility to someone you could actually see putting in the white house and then not having them immediately bow to the whim of wall street. Uh, that, and, but that, that necessity goes down as you get farther from like real heights of power. Uh, and yeah, it's not supposed to be about finding the perfect vessel. It's about creating enough credible electoral influence that you, that they have to do what you say if they want to get your support and your support means something. Which is why all the talk about Biden uh, and how you have to vote for him just gives me a fucking headache because there is no re influencing anything at the level of a presidential election. 
especially this presidential election. And thinking of in those terms is, is, is a waste of time. Whether or not to vote for Biden is an individual choice. You can do it or not, or he can wipe your ass with the ballot. It has no real moral weight because right. no individual right. vote has any kind of moral weight. It's the fucking, it's, it's the snowflake in the avalanche. The individual snowflake lands on you with nothing. And that's the same thing with the morality of casting an individual presidential ballot. So do what you want to do. But talking about it all the time, it's just absolutely pointless because there's no, there's no fulcrum of power there. It's all, all, any claim that there is is just a way to justify to yourself that you're not selling out by saying, yeah. telling other people to vote. Yeah, for Biden. Look, it's just like, and I have no problem when people doing that. Like, you know, I'm not, yeah, no, not going sure, sure. to hecker and care. browbeat yeah, people whatever. who said they were never going to vote for Biden when, like, you know, when the, the, they feel like the gun is really to their head. They're like, I guess I'd rather have. It's your choice. Biden. I'd rather it's Biden have be in charge of the president, you know, but like, A, like, you know, don't delude yourself that you are going to be the one that's going to like, you know, yeah. you're going to be the marble that fucking like, you know, is <laughs> exactly. definitive in, in, in the no, giant demand- bowl we're all pissing into. No, of course not. They're demanding. What it is, is they're demanding that you submit in some fashion, yeah. that you yeah. publicly abase yourself yep. yeah. and admit that, yes, I'd rather have Joe Biden than Trump. All right, sure. That's it. Like, That's all this whole process is about. Yeah. Because obviously, you're if you actually were concerned with, you know, getting votes for your candidate, you really wanted to, you know, to go out there and you thought like, okay, oh man, if we all if we all get like five people, we could really make a difference, we could win this thing. You wouldn't be talking to, to people like me. You yeah. would be talking to fucking the people who are sometimes voters yeah. and making sure that they go out and they vote for your candidate. You wouldn't be getting into fucking arguments on Twitter. The fucking, you know, the, the fucking Bernie campaign, the fucking primaries. You didn't see like Bernie people going out and spending all of their time arguing with like the same three insane like Kamala Harris psychos and saying, ah, but, but will you caucus for him? No, the, of course not. That's stupid. And the proof, the proof that this is about getting people to bend the knee because, hey, isn't politics really just it's 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 pract- in practical application it's power but then in the personal investment it becomes a, a, a psychodrama of power it becomes a personal psychic mm. recreation of power dynamics and when you know bending the knee isn't just a thing for dude bros because why else is it so common to see someone say i'm voting for joe biden i don't like it i don't like him but i re- understand the moment i understand the threat trump poses and then be immediately berated and screamed at Yep. Or not saying that they loved to vote Joe Biden and were happy to vote for him. <laughs> yeah. so you won. You won. But it'll never be enough because what they really want is power. And they also really want other, other, the other thing they really want is to distance from themselves the, the growing panic, that, the fear that they might have fucked up and he might lose anyway. I'm not going to, like I said, like, I'm not going to waste my time uh, hectoring and berating people who feel that they have to vote for Biden because it's like, sure, look, it's your a, deal. These, are the, these are the two options we have. Fuck it. I guess we got to make a choice. But like, like, I don't care I, if somebody what, goes what, to what, McDonald's or instead of Arby's for brunch. But, like, you know, but what I will not lunch. fucking, what I have absolutely no patience for is this idea that people are trying to back themselves into a position where you can vote, especially if you are on the left, you can vote for Biden strategically. No, there is yeah, no way to vote. Thing. Like our, our system is designed to remove that possibility of, yep. of your vote being a strategic one that can be cashed in for some chits at a future future date or that you can be used to like leverage in some way a better future outcome. Like it, it doesn't yep. work like that. And especially not now. And with this candidate and this fucking Democratic Party. Yeah. 
if you're gonna do like if you're gonna do it, do it. If you want to share it with people, if you want if you don't feel bad about it, or you're you're just trying to cover for your own sense of guilt or whatever, like fine, whatever. But like, just don't sell me this fucking line about how it's it's like it's of strategic importance for the left to vote for Joe Biden. Uh, moving on here, um, let's, let's go in a different direction now. Um, th- this is, I want to return here. This is, this is an excerpt from a new book that's coming out that I, w- I want to I dive into you with you guys. I have not read this yet. I've been aware of this book coming out for some time, and my number one question with it is, what the fuck is this about? And I'm hoping that, you know, with, with Matt and Virgil on my side here, we can, we can parse <laughs> the meaning of this. Gabo is way. coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. We we can get to the bottom of this. I, I'm talking, of all course, right, about our, all right. our good. Let's put on our detective caps. Uh, it's our good friend Matt Iglesias, who has a new book Ooh. out. He has a new book out called um, One Billion Americans: The Case for Thinking Bigger." And there is an excerpt what? of this in New York Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> We're not thinking big enough. We need one. Yeah, one, one billion. That's too many. What are you talking about? <laughs> So is one, one billion the not big enough? Should I be thinking bigger than a billion? One trillion Americans. I could barely conceive of a billion. I don't think it's actually possible for a human being to fully imagine a billion of something. Guys, I got to tell you, I don't think there are enough chicken tenders hypothetically possible on this planet to feed a billion Americans. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this is an excerpt of uh, Maddie's new book, uh, One Billion Americans, uh, that was uh, written in New York Magazine last week. And uh, like I said, I, I have only glanced at this because like, my, I, I, it just like when I started to start reading it, I felt like, you know, a, a, a robot that had been put in some sort of logic. It loop. sounds like it sounds like he wrote this book after getting into a long late night Twitter feud with a third world Maoist <laughs> and now he's just like upping the ante on the other side saying, oh, you want you want a, 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 a dictatorship of the third world proletariat in the United States? Well, guess what? I think there should be a billion Americans, motherfucker. <laughs> Fuck you. I mean, I think it's like the, the funny thing about Matt is that uh, Matty uh, rather is that he's uh, he's worn a lot of hats. Um, in, in the various books he's published, he's, he's sort of he's he's donned the garb of an expert in a number of different topics. And I'm th- and, I, and Matt, I think you're right that this this book is sort of an attempt to synthesize all of those sort of like uh, wonkish enthusiasms that he takes up as hobbies to write it. Like, you know, he was a defense policy expert for a while. Then he was a housing yep. expert for a while. He yep. started out as a business and fucking markets yep. guy for Slate yeah. or whatever. Um, so like th- this new book, it's like, I, that, it's just, like that old daily show, Joe, where all the correspondence when they would do a correspondence segment uh, that was like a talking head segment, they would get like, you know, like a, a, a fake expert title. And it was always different every time. Yeah. Like senior also, by the pod analysis or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. 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 By the way, um, Chris, when does this episode come out? Like every episode we ever do the same day that we record it. Like what time? <laughs> I don't know. Like nine. OK, then this isn't relevant. <laughs> OK. All right. right. I don't know. Maybe you, Bill and Ted is on sci-fi right now, <laughs> but that's not, this information oh, isn't going to okay, be useful great. to the listener. First, look, say that will... shit for your OnlyFans, please. If you want to tell people <laughs> on your OnlyFans what is on the TV that you're looking at at the moment that you're typing it, then you know, keep that shit there. All right. Okay. All right, fine. All right, uh, we're talking just, about just the help. case for adding 672 million more Americans by Matthew Iglesias. Like I said, mm-hmm. I, I have... 
I have not read this yet. I don't get it, and I'm I'm just I'm hoping I need I need your guys' help here. I, I, what to make of this? Yeah. What what point is he is he like what what what's going on here? Uh, so I'm just going to start reading here. The United States is not full. In fact, it is empty. <laughs> right now, the country has about 93 people per square mile. Many many countries are far denser than this, and not just city states like Singapore or small island nations like Malta. South Korea has 1,337 people per square mile, and Belgium has 976. If you tripled the population of the United States, adding new Americans only to the lower 48 and leaving Alaska and Hawaii intact and unchanged, the main part of America would be only about as dense as France and less than half as dense as Germany. A transformation on that scale is almost impossible to imagine in large part because of the American political system has fallen into a state of torpor and dysfunction driven by, among other things, the absence of the shared sense of purpose that once bound the national experiment. But while contemporary politics is terrifying in certain ways, it has also opened up again the possibility of goals and projects and ideas, probably the biggest opportunity in a generation for new ideas to take hold. So here is one big one, a billion Americans. And this gives us a new shared sense of purpose Well, because he I, I, wants the Rocky Mountains to be as densely populated as Queens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I think he's sort of trying to give like a like a nationalist gloss to like his sort of uh, sort of yimby urbanist sort of like, he, like his whole thing is like he, he's really into zoning laws and he, he wants more high density like zoning to be available in cities oh, like Jesus San Francisco Christ. and oh, elsewhere because he's just like like that's. That's what's causing, you know, homelessness or whatever. Um, so, but like, I think he's, yeah, he's trying to give a kind of, yeah, like a grand national purpose or something like, and then uh, some sort of, uh, yeah, some sort of mission that will compete with, I, I, I think what he imagines is the, yeah, the coming blood and soil nationalism of, you know, white man's America or, and fuck everyone else. But um, let's see where else he goes with this. When America faced down Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union, we were the big dog. We had more people, more wealth, and more industrial capacity. But against China, we are the little dog. They, don't, they are more than 1 billion of them and about 330 million of us. Uh, Chinese people don't need to become as rich as Americans for China's overall econ- economy to outweigh ours. If they manage to become about half as rich as we are on a per-person per basis, like the Bahamas or Spain, then their economy would be far larger than ours in the aggregate. The, ar- the Earth would also be... Uh, non-existent. It would be Venus. <laughs> you know that's going to happen, right? If if you if like you're assuming that we're just going to be competing with each other, like along the current uh, consumption matrix with with China and India, that there's no there's no planet. So I I think I think this is his hook here for like how do I get sort of like uh like yimby uh zoning deregulation fascination how do I give that into like a grand national context and I think the answer is uh China has more people than America therefore if if every Chinese person fought every American person they would win if there were a big rumble between America and China I mean like once our once our A team gets taken out you know they've got hundreds of millions more to go. That did this happen is, uh, in India earlier this year. That giant rumble in the in the mountains. Oh right, between yeah. the Indian and the Chinese army, where they were all using rebar and shit on each other, and they were just tumbling off into the abyss. This I is mean, I like to see it. That's for sure. This is even more shit. <laughs> Jesus, You're just imagining the the India China clash is like a fucking Jet Li movie. <laughs> this is more shameless and frankly more dumb than the idea of a missile gap. We have a people gap with China. <laughs> 
And, you know, like, you know, it, it won't take the average Chinese person getting that much more wealthy to have their own domestic consumer market and then, you know, recall all our debt and fucking sink this fucking country. So, I mean, that's that, in the long term, you know, if, if conditions maintaining themselves. Yeah. Like right now, China needs us because we supply the market for their stuff. If, if they were able to create a like a, a fully sustained internal domestic consumer economy, we would not be as necessary. And our position to them vis-a-vis, you know, global geopolitics would be way reduced. Uh, but that ignores two things. One, our military, and two, that the earth would be a fucking cinder if that happened. <laughs> like, we'll talking about this shit like this and just assuming away the reality of the fucking scarcity that we're, and, and, and the environmental, uh, you know, feedback loop that we're in right now. It just shows these guys are, it, it, because it seems so huge and because the solutions are not small bore. We can't fucking, uh, you know, zone our way out of the climate crisis they, ah. they 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 just cl- cling to i'm going to get something that's equally bold and and conversation starting but just assumes away the fundamental political and and ecological constraint we're currently challenged with uh, it goes here. Conservatives argue that the country can't take more immigrants, that it should effectively close its borders or at the very least restrict immigration to a trickle. Progressives tend to disagree, even while being inclined to say they, that the particular towns and cities they live in should be preserved as is, opposing any further real estate development as permit pernicious disruption. Meanwhile, America's birth rate has slipped to a historic low, and nobody in the political mainstream seems to think we can or should do anything about it. But... A three-to-one advantage in population is really hard to overcome. Thankfully, tripling the size of the nation is something that is in our power to achieve. It would just require more immigrants and more programs to support people who want to have additional children. Of course, if we had a lot more people, we'd need to adjust a number of other things to make sure they had jobs and places to live. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Might want to get on that. Okay. Housing shortages are common in many parts of the country, but the tools to surmount them are easily available. Oh, okay. Here's Here's the switch. Okay. And like immigration would cost taxpayers nothing. Providing adequately for America's families by offering not just paid leave, but financial assistance, preschool and aftercare services, reasonable summer programming and affordable college for all qualified students. Oh, yeah, students we should do that. That's would cost good. money, but stuff. it would also but it would greatly benefit America's children and make it much easier for middle class people to have the number of kids they say they want. Well, why don't we just do those things and just like not uh, try to triple our population while we're doing it? I mean... It just seems well, we, to me like he's advocating for like, you know, yeah, it, we, it should be easier for people to form families and we should have like a less restrictive immigration policy. What's this shit about how we need 672 million more people? Because the reasoning, the argument for these other things is that we should not have an economy that is entirely dominated by fucking profit and by exploitation and that it, it, it deforms and demeans human life to the extent that people literally don't want to continue and they don't feel that they can continue the cycle of human reaper fucking duction because they don't have the social infrastructure to allow it to, uh, to, allow it to, be, uh, to thrive. And... The answers to those are the, those answers aren't answers Iglesias wants, so he needs to give it some sort of gloss that that is as titanic as like the question of challenging capitalism, but is but is not as like danger endangering of the fundamentals that he cherishes. So it's got to ter- be turned into a nationalist contest that we can win. Well, here, here's another problem that I that I see with this. Maybe maybe he addresses this later in the article. I don't know, but like he begins by comparing like, hey, like. 
for terms of people per square mile, like we're we're not we're, like there's almost no one in America. Like whereas look at Belgium and Spain or whatever. I mean, like, and America is a vastly larger country in terms of space, but like, yeah, like he's right. Most people aren't living in in most of the places in this country, and that is a problem that seems to be accelerating because all of the jobs that are fucking like livable are in the cities. Like, you have to leave. Like, small towns are dying because people are leaving them to go to more populated areas. So it just seems to me like, I, would these six hundred seventy-two new billion or this this new billion Americans like would would their population be evenly spread out over the Great Plains and big sky states like Montana or Idaho? Or would New York, L.A. and Chicago just become like mega city one? Because like that doesn't seem very livable or sustainable to me if there was like, you know, if New York City had, an I don't know, an additional hundred million people living in it. Also, by the way, turning, you know, turning our uh, our agricultural breadbasket into uh, housing also has its own potential downsides to, you know, producing food. For humans to eat. Uh, this no, I think we should have people move to where the agriculture is happening. That can't go wrong. <laughs> we should empty the cities. <laughs> I mean, if he if he really wants to go like Pol Pot here, I would at least find that interesting, and I would find it more more worthy of engagement with than whatever this shit is. Uh, the next sentence is, is is this is the perfect Matt Iglesias sentence here. These challenges may seem complicated, but really they are not. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> the solution to America's new urban housing crisis is to build more houses so more people can move. Oh, my God. Cities. This guy, is, he's like one of those fucking junkies at the Port Authority, but for upzoning. <laughs> the solution like, this is like this is his cock and bull story that he tells you about why he needs the money is like, oh, I need uh, uh, like 650 million more Americans. So like, no, he's saying, he's saying but then he like, goes and he spends it on upzoning. No, no, but he's saying like that, that these problems could be solved by just um, making it so we can build more housing in in-demand cities. But like this gets to exactly the point I'm talking about. Like this new massive population is not going to be evenly spread over the American continent so that people can live, you know, with a, a, a certain modicum of, I don't know, privacy or, or open space or whatever. No, what he's saying is that like, look, uh, you know, our population per square mile, if you average it overall, wouldn't have to come up that much to make this possible. But the populations of places like New York or any major urban center would have to increase by like, I don't know, 10,000 percent. You're forgetting so about the programs, though. There'll be more social programs. So, so we create like a nightmare of anime and, and social conflict. There'll be it, there'll be programs. Well, it says here the solution to the illegal immigration crisis is to let more people come legally. Americans of virtually all stripes may look like a threat to some xenophobic Americans, but they make native-born Americans richer and fuel the kind of innovation that can help the country grow. But America's vast rural hinterland and many of its aging northeastern and midwestern cities need an influx of people to prevent their current priceless assets, i.e. their real estate, from wasting away over the next generation. And America's families need help from a more robust welfare state in order to be able to have and raise children with a secure middle-class lifestyle. For a long time, our politics has treated these patterns as part of a puzzle that don't quite fit together. More immigration is good, but the cities immigrants tend to move to already don't have enough housing. More housing is good, but that might only exacerbate rural depopulation. And if sane, humane child and family policy gives us more people, sane, humane immigration policy also gives us more people. If declining areas need more people, but expensive areas also need more housing, then the, the solution to the puzzle is that we should just do it all. Okay. And yeah, I mean, 
and the people, the, um, the citizens who are here are going to do that and say yes to that because they're not going to see this huge influx of immigrants as a, as a threat to them as economic competitors because we're going to be doing all, the, all this other stuff about what was that, Matt, about, I don't know, making uh, what, what exactly does Matt say about making it easier for people to already live in this fucking country without spending every minute of their life on a fucking hamster wheel? That they're uh, not going to the see this millions of immigrants is just more people who might take bread out of their mouths. This uh, zero sum nightmare that we live in. Is he going to do anything about that? I just searched the article for the word union and it only appears in the phrase Soviet Union and European Union. Okay. All right. I got it. So it says here, admittedly, admittedly, this it sounds a little loopy. But while some left-wing intellectuals might suggest that the end of American hegemony would be desirable, I've never heard an elected official from either party articulate that view. And America should aspire to be the greatest nation on earth. In part, that's because our main rival is not something cuddly like a hypothetical version of the European Union or a non-hierarchical world, but the People's Republic of China. Nothing cuddlier than the, uh, the place that's just drowning thousands of people in the Mediterranean on a daily basis at this point. Uh, a country that is aggressively using its commercial clout to try to silence critics abroad, conducting egregious human rights abuses against its Uyghur minority, and cracking down on freedoms in Hong Kong. What the fuck is being the greatest country in the world mean? Like, we have to, like, that should be, he's basically saying, he's not even saying we need a billion Americans. He's saying we've needed a billion Americans as part of the, sub, as, as, a, as a subsidiary part of the greater project of, becoming, of being the greatest nation in the world. What does that mean? What does it mean to be the greatest nation in the world? I mean, it means to be the wealthiest and most powerful nation. And what kind of competitive framework does that assume? And how does that competitive framework uh, jibe with the fact that if we keep competing with with each other across national lines, as I keep saying, this world is gone, at least in any uh, recognizable or desirable form that we might want to uh, imagine for the future, that we might want to, I don't know, reproduce enough to have a billion people to see. Does he answer any of those questions? I, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip ahead here to the end because he, he goes on for a long time. And I, I just I don't, I don't want to fucking. Oh, he does shout out Matt and Elizabeth Brunig's family fun pack and the people's policy. It's project. good policy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, again, it, it just seems like he's a. Uh, he thinks that you're going to get he's, the family he's, he's, fun pack. He thinks he's going to get the family fun pack by telling people we need a billion Americans. And this is how he thinks that's the most compelling uh, framework for that, because like <laughs> that's got to be the point of this. Right. Why you write a book like that? It's not like yeah. it's going to matter in any meaningful right. sense. Uh, no, very few people are going to read it. The hope is that enough people of influence read it that it shapes the discourse and it becomes an influential element within like the political strategy of the parties. Uh, and so that's that's why it's relevant. And so when he says we need X, Y, and Z as part of it, like the family fun pack, then he's kind of implicitly saying that this is how you sell that. A billion Americans is the best way to tell people. Uh, that we should have a family fun pack, not we should have a family fun pack because you should be able to raise a fucking family in this country. But no, like, we need like that. We need moral... the family fun pack because because China will have an even funner family pack. Yeah, see, because he has to strip morality out of the entire equation of politics. Otherwise, his entire premise is dog shit and rotten and monstrous. And so um, it has to be reframed as a utilitarian international relations chess move instead of like the minimum requirement to consider yourself being a fucking society. And also what's, 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 what's going unsaid here in this sort of like we need to compete with the one billion red Chinese or whatever is that like he, he, he's saying that like, oh, we can do that and not suffer any sort of uh, 
drop in our own quality of life that we've come to expect. Like he's like, Oh no, like all, all that that we consider our birthright as Americans will essentially remain untouched. And in fact, it's going to get better if there are 672 million people extra in this country. You will live in a Fuddruckers. You won't even have to go to one. There will (laughs) be someone in your kitchen making you Fuddruckers. I'm picturing a 1960s ad man writing on a whiteboard, the word million crossing out the M putting a B. And everyone loses their shit. A billion Americans. What does it say to you? Now, here's what here's what's interesting to me. Uh, you know, obviously this is all this is all just like dumb bullshit. But Matt's writing this out of his Yimby compulsion. Like this is all this is all his the 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 culmination of his master scheme to upzone neighborhoods, which I don't get because I get being a NIMBY. Right. It's like, I don't want to live next door to the garbage factory. Right. Yeah. No, no shit. Nobody wants to do that. Okay. And I get, you know, uh, being having like, like, like a, a, a socialist minded housing policy, having, having, uh, you know, mass, you know, a public housing that's, you know, that's decent, livable because, uh, one, you probably want to live there yourself. And two, like, this is, this is a moral, rational thing to do to have a collective solution to the problem of homelessness. The Yimby shit is straight up just, you know, I think my building should have, I think my neighborhood should have more tall buildings. Like, you walk around, like, do, do these people, does Matt walk around fucking Foggy Bottom where the fuck he lives? And I think it's DuPont Circle. Du- Not yeah, DuPont, him, that's a guess. Yeah, DuPont Circle. He does seems he, he, like that type. Does he walk around and when he sees one of these, like, hideous fucking, you know, eight-story, you know, gentrifying buildings... Like, does he just like you know get a hard on? Well, no, Matt. Well, I think Maddie would walk around, and he thinks he thinks they should be way more than eight stories because DC does have that idiotic zoning rule that no building can be taller than the Washington Monument, which yeah, is sure, largely fine. why it is a, a a hideous, awful, well, awful city. Uh, I think uh, Virgil, you you bang on a you have you have uh, identified here a crucial difference between the liberal and the socialist critique of capitalism. Uh, the socialist critique of capitalism is that it is anti-human, is that it is, it is a moral obscenity because it makes us act immorally. Like, I mean, obviously you can say that that's not very ideal. I'm not, that's not materialistic. I'm talking about the way we express it through politics, the way we express it in our conception of the good. is in moral terms. It has to be. You can argue about where those moral terms come from, but it has to be a moral objection. That's the only thing that makes sense. The liberal objection to capitalism is that it's not efficient. And for Maddie and for Yimby types, the problem of homelessness is not a moral obscenity. It is a it is a annoying inefficiency created by outmoded systems of 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 not capitalism, but of of like culturally reproduced capitalism that need to be changed by by and and they get to imagine themselves as progressive because those efficiencies that they imagine include things like hey maybe there shouldn't be giant uh, encampments of homeless people everywhere uh, because now those people can efficiently uh, contribute to the marketplace instead of having their, their labor, their potential labor power just wasted like that because of our, of our inefficient distribution of housing resources. I agree that it begins with an interest in efficiency, but I think Yimbyism becomes pathology over time. Oh, absolutely. And maybe that comes from just like arguing with people on the internet and being That's exactly where it comes from because if you have to keep reasserting it, you have to keep creating more broke 
and delusional justifications for your own belief system, even though they're, it's just the thin reed of self-interest. Like, I would like more fa places in my neighborhood, please. It becomes this titanic representation of, like, of, of not only your own virtue, but human virtue, because you spend all that time arguing with people every other point along it and having to defend it and create mental architecture to defend the, your idea so that you don't ever confront the basis for it. I'm saying it also adjusts their sense of pleasure, yes. that they genuinely do feel a, a, a certain jouissance when they see some fucking you know, developer's ugly fucking overpriced building. Yeah. They get they get a charge out of it because they've charged it. They've charged it by by that like it's a ritual incantation, and it has charged their yimdiness with that jouissance, with that erotic frisson, because it's part of their their political war. And war Virgil. is a force, folks. But here's my but here, Virgil. Oh, I mean, I, ma- I imagine yimby people when they see like uh, uh, sort of aerial shots of the island of Manhattan, being like, "This is good." But that giant green thing in the middle of the island, could we have more housing there? Could we just, like, all that land is being, uh, not being put to its best use. Can we just fill it all in with buildings? And wouldn't that build, make everyone's quality of life better? Let's have, in, in just the middle of a fucking Nebraska cornfield, that matchstick building. <laughs> just oh, yeah, pop it in there like you're playing SimCity <laughs> with all the fucking, you, you did the cheat to unlock uh, every fucking building. The arcologies. Actually, we should, actually, honestly, <laughs> what my actual, like, solution to these future crises and population arcologies, issues, baby. building arcologies. That's my actual uh, Oh, well, that would this. be cool. I mean, that is actually the, the culmination of a socialist housing project is something like that. Archons for arcologies. Uh, and that would be entertaining. I, I, do, I, do have another, I, I do have another point here. It's Matt thinks that this is effective nationalist pandering. That's cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. That, that, this is this it's is really this funny. Is like after watching no, you're the fucking right. R, after watching the fucking RNC, the fucking like full Starship Troopers reality that we live in, you're like, yeah, this is gonna get the this is gonna get the MAGA hat, the the fucking Patriot rubes on my side. It's got no, no, you're, exactly, you're exactly you're exactly right, and and like like he he, he thinks that this is. Like, this is the way that Democrats and liberals are going to get on board and have, like, a nationalist message that works for them, which just comes down to be like, hey, what if we had, a, we what if we had as many players as China has? What if we could field a basketball team that, could, uh, that was a billion strong? Yeah, like, it's not, like, the, the full motivation on the, of the fucking nationalists is not just pure primal libidinal hatred. They're going to be swayed by your bar charts, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's what gets him off, though. That's that's where he's got the category confusion because he thinks anyone else is going to be persuaded by his clever, intricate, uh, small. But he thinks he's being clever here. He realizes not everybody gets off on the bar charts and thinks, ah, but a different bar chart must get surely that must arouse the other. All right, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna finish out this piece. I'm skipping ahead to the last couple paragraphs here. Does he still listen to this show? I hope so. Yeah. Uh, it's customary when trying to talk to Americans. Uh, it's customary when trying to talk Americans into daunting political problems to quote JFK on the subject of why go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon, he said. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because I am hard. <laughs> because I am hard. <laughs> because uh, by, so you, it's a great speech. That being said, it's worth emphasizing that while one billion Americans may be impossible and absurd, there's actually nothing hard about it. Letting more hardworking and talented foreign-born people move here is not hard. On the contrary, it's keeping people's it's keeping people out that's hard. Providing Yo, financial support so that Americans can have as many children as they say they'd like to is a big change, but there's nothing particularly difficult about it. 
nothing particularly difficult except it would involve passing legislation that literally no one in our government um wants to yeah, touch with a it, fucking it would, it would only barge pole. Yeah, it would, it would all involve, these same people. Uh, I'm sorry, all, yeah. don't all these same people when you talk about Medicare for all just be like, "How are you going to get Mansion to vote for it?" Yep. Well, yeah. How the fuck? How, like, what, how are you going to get around no, the Senate for this one get, billion American plan? Well, this is how you get Mansion to read one billion Americans. Oh, okay, I honestly there we go. think that's his deep answer. You uh, get enough of these <laughs> elites. You get enough of the elites to read this thing, and then they will do the thing. They this becomes Daniel Patrick. This becomes here. the new uh, pedophile symbol that QAnon sees everywhere. Is all these senators walking around with a copy of this book? Yeah. <laughs> what could uh, a billion Americans mean? Why would they want a billion Americans? <laughs> oh my God! They're gonna eat them. It's like it's like at McDonald's. What billions serve? That's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> to serve one billion I mean, Americans. To serve one billion Americans. <laughs> But it's like uh, that's because Matthew. At, at, every, at every international airport, where you get off a plane, it's just you see you see a picture of the president, a picture of the head of Homeland Security, and then it just says America, <laughs> one billion people. Uh, but this, I think, the reason that he thinks that is a viable path forward is because he has this vision as a wonk, as a guy who has spent a time in Washington, of of the long history of of influential books and articles. That have shaped American policy over the years. Yeah, like the Moynihan Report. Exactly. And what he doesn't get there, or he, uh, uh, I mean, at least his public presentation of this case requires him to not get this, is that those things are not changing people's minds. What those things, what those intellectual essays are doing is giving uh, politicians a political and intellectual justification for shit they were going to do anyway. And anything in his little fucking wish list that goes against capital is not going to be done, regardless of how many of these people read his fucking book. But if there's something in there that they can do that will maybe like buy off a constituency for a while or convince people that they're actually accomplishing something, while really they're still fucking uh, strip mining everything to the bone and making the like flourishing that would requ- be required to have a billion people in this country even viable, uh, that's not happening. So his entire model is flawed at its foundation. Wasn't that... Literally a line from a Vonnegut story from the one uh, where everyone lives in this like tiny apartment that the one billionth American has been born. <laughs> right. That's, you know, that story about about overcrowding in the future. Yeah. Um, OK, like that was a, the, this haunting line is the, the thesis of this book. Well, I mean, it's yeah. a haunting line because at the end of the day, like even if even if even if this plan uh, went according to uh, Maddie's vision and we had. Uh, more inig- immigrants and a more generous social welfare state and, and, you know, free education. And we allowed people the economic freedom to uh, have as many children as they'd like to. At the end of the day, they're just going to turn into Americans. So I yeah. don't see this as a net benefit yeah. for either this country or the yep. world at this point. We would have to have a, uh, we would have to as Americans have social values beyond consumption. And the thing is, that's not impossible, but that would actually require changing our relationship to each other and to fucking work and to production and to capital and to everything else at a, at a fundamental level that would that it could not be be solved by a national project that ignores all of the root fucking causes of the social alienation that turns us into a herd of of, of self seeking id driven uh, water buffaloes who which could not fit on a billion of on any planet any any fucking planet let alone a continent. Uh, okay. there, here's here's a really good line. Here's a really good line. Sorry, I, I just got to get to this one. Letting builders make whatever kind of housing their customers want to buy is easy. 
Uh, he's talking about Grover House now. He's, he, wants, <laughs> he, wants, he wants a billion Grover Houses all over America. Anyone who wants Yimbies to build would a house, I bet you, you, you be could get Yimbies. You could get Yimbies to defend Grover House. <laughs> you would absolutely do that. They will fucking convince themselves that this actually looks good and is cool. This rocks. I want this in every fucking city. Uh, so I, would yeah, love, that, that, I would love a dozen Grover houses in my neighborhood. Shifting economic activity to places where land and buildings are cheap is a little more difficult, but it's hardly a voyage to the moon. Copying a... Tra- Dude, settling Americans moon on the moon easy, is more idiot. realistic than this shit. Question. The moon was a technical question. Once you fucking put the money to it, you just have to figure out how to do it. This, this is just talking it. about convincing people to do something, do something as a collective project. That's insanely difficult. This is another really great line. This is another really perfect Iglesias line here. Copying a traffic management paradigm that Singapore implemented in the mid-70s isn't hard at all. Nor is copying long-standing German commuter rail practices. Hey, you know, Singapore, that country that's essentially a dictatorship. <laughs> yeah, it's been run by like one guy for the past 60 years. Well, he's gone now, but he left his 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 thing is intact. It's it's a it's a managed democracy and it's like it's technological endpoint. OK, so, so he says unless you're unless you're unless you are uh, unless the real answer to this is written in like invisible ink and you have to put it up to flame to read it and you're one of the Illuminati and this is actually a text telling you how to create like a, a totally foreclosed political elite that can rule through sheer technological uh, 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 force like like a biomechanical matrix, then this is not helpful for anybody. All right. Uh, this is a really good paragraph because he does he does acknowledge some of the problems that oh, one billion like Americans might cause. He says, of course, to do something about all the problems, <laughs> of course, tripling the population could also cause a number of problems. Traffic jams could get worse. Rent- <laughs> That's the first problem you could think of. A billion Americans and we're still driving around in personal cars. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, again, again like uh, yeah, uh, a billion Americans, but they're all still driving cars that run on gasoline. That's a fucking great idea. Uh, so it says here, uh, traffic could get worse. Um, rent worse. could go up. Water access would be stretched thinner. There'd oh, be, yeah. there'd be, be pollution. These are, unfortunately, real concerns. And the exact details <laughs> of how best to structure family support programs, how best to pay for them, exactly which additional immigrants to let in, and how to... Wait a second. Which so he's additional immigrants? Which additional immigrants? I thought he just said, let them everyone in. Are you want a billion oh, people or not? And he's still trying to look at people's resume and shit? What the fuck so is good. going that's, on here? That's, 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 that's the wonderful. classic... That's the red lib uh, uh, H1N1 shuffle. Or H one, it's not H one N one visa, right? Which the one, the H one uh, visa, the, the one for one like those. Yeah. the ones that all, that they stock uh, the, the Silicon coders. Valley with. Yeah, yeah, it's like you you pitch immigration on social justice grounds of saying people should be allowed in this country, but what you end up actually doing is just increasing skilled labor for industries that want cheaper labor. That's it. And then everyone else the still gets the fucking. He's, everyone else still gets to wait in line, and everyone else still gets to die in the fucking Mojave. He's talking about like uh, tripling America's population size, and again, he doesn't give a time frame for this. But what I would imagine it would, it would he'd want to do it sooner rather than later, you know, to compete with China or whatever. Uh, and he's still looking at fucking like people's CVs who want to get in the country. Like, what the fuck? What are you talking also, about? Also, why are you I just not deciding th- who to let in or not? Why not just let in everyone if this is the end goal that you're going for? I just had a thought. You know, Matt started out mentioning the the population density of the united states has he factored into this the fact that in a few years we will literally have less land <laughs> that the land is currently eroding like entire yeah. communities are just com- 
Just we've just given up on entire communities. Yeah, you might want to pull apart. Literally, just picking up everyone and just moving them somewhere else. Yeah, you might want to, to to subtract Florida from the calculations he's got. Yeah, most of Louisiana. Yeah, you know, yeah. just so he goes here. Um, that's that's not a thing. So he goes, and how to improve our infrastructure and increase our housing stock are good subjects to argue about. I, I bet. guess th- that's that's what it comes down to here. That's all Matt wants to talk about. These are the good subjects to argue about. But think about how much healthier our politics would be if there were really a debate about how to accomplish great things rather than a food fight over semi-imagined defenses to real Americans that serve as a mask for an endless procession of tax cuts for the rich. Why not make America greater than ever instead? Okay, it's like he just says, like, okay, yeah, there'd be problems like water for everyone to drink, but he doesn't mention, like, what are the solutions to them. He just goes back to talking about tinkering with zoning laws. (laughs) And he goes, yeah, why not make America greater than ever instead? Again, this is... This is the liberal thing. This is the sh- of, of just they're always fantasizing about the day in which they can be compete on the same fucking playing field as the right wing does with all of their fucking flag waving jingoist horseshit. You know, another great president, FDR, upzoned the Tennessee Valley. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes here. Whatever liberals' misgivings about this national project, America should aspire to be the greatest nation on earth. Once again, meaningless. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Americans already think, and rightly so. Because not rightly means- so. What the fuck are you talking about? Forget. I mean, even if you were, our, our, you know, we're all roughly the same age as Matt Iglesias. Even just going yeah. on our lifetimes alone, what would fucking indicate to you that it's it's right? Forget, forget the moral judgment aside about whether it's good or not to think that you live in the greatest nation on earth and it should always be that way. What give it? Like what on evidence? Could you muster to make that case that America, as it's existed over the last 40 or 50 years, is fucking the greatest nation on earth or has done things that would fucking warrant that title? Yeah. On Iglesias' own fucking terms. That's what, I, that's what I'm wondering. We're not doing great. We're doing it's, pretty bad. We couldn't get people to wear masks to prevent the spread <laughs> of a fucking deadly infection. We couldn't get people to say, hey, maybe I wouldn't like my grandmother to die couldn't get that to happen and it's not i'm not blaming those people because there's a that's the end point that ridiculousness is the end result of a whole series of social pathologies which in my opinion add up to america not being the greatest anything except maybe threat to the fucking future of the human race yeah that's it that that's what that's what they mean i think i think that answers your question matt what does it mean to be the greatest nation on earth it means to be the single greatest threat to um peace security and the future of everyone else on because the planet. that means you're in charge it means yep. you're at the top of the, po- the totem pole and you get to order everybody else around that's that's what greatest has to mean i mean if you're if you're getting it beyond just pure ethereal bullshit it has to mean that and, and that and that implies a that implies a future that doesn't allow for any of uh, any kind of uh, population uh, um, war with with China or anybody else ending with anything other than total systemic ecological uh, destabilization, and the the country that whatever social forms emerge from that are not going to give a shit about Ma- Matt Iglesias's fa fucking restaurant. They're going to plug him into a goddamn uh, mich- uh, Skinner box to keep him rowing an oar. <laughs> so here, I just, I'm just finishing out here. This is the finishing out this excerpt. It says, rather than being paralyzed by racial panic, eco-pessimism, or paranoia about the loss of parking spaces, we should try to think this stuff through calmly and systematically. 
choosing to emulate our forefathers and mothers who managed to welcome millions of newcomers and ride ox carts across the Rocky Mountains to build the greatest nation in human history. Rather than throw up our hands at every moderately difficult logistical problem and whine that the country is full. I get, I just love that he's talking about tripling the population of America as a moderately difficult logistical problem. Yeah, you know, well, there's just, there's just hundreds and hundreds of cascading subsidiary problems, all of which are fixed right now in a pathological condition because of their relationship to capitalism that is in a steady uh, collapse. Of, of, of sustainability itself just on its own terms in terms of its profit uh, uh, rate return, that's going to be okay. That's no problem. We'll do it. And it all starts, it all starts with, uh, with Ben Sass reading this book. <laughs> it's, it's, that's, that's, that's the first domino in that domino meme. The first bat is, is Ben Sass picks up one billion Americans, and then the last one is the billionth American orders his first round of uh, fundido dip at, uh, the, at the fucking... Uh, Fuddruckers that is on the moon. <laughs> well, like I said, wouldn't just colonizing the moon be a better fucking uh, use of our time than this? Like I said, yeah, if it's yeah. a technical, any technical question is easier to solve than this shit. Than getting people on board with like a broad program like that that didn't run that ran counter to existing like uh, economic uh, conditions. There's water on the moon. <clears throat> I think so. Yeah, there might be other stuff. I don't know. I've never. Uh, Appraise the moon. Is there freaking cancel culture on the moon? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. The moon should just be like parlor, uh, but for reality. Yeah. You can just go to the moon now to like, you know, to say what you want to say and fucking, uh, you know. Are there Kardashians on the moon? Oh, God. There no, better not be any sign me up. Kardashians. Well, there you go. I, I still don't get it. I mean, I, I just, it was one of the most. You need to take some, uh, you need to go to uh, the Office of Management and Budget and take some salvia, and then you'll know. <laughs> but there you go. That, that, is, that is the case for one billion Americans. And I think the, 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 the underlying point is it's not that hard. It's well, fine. Come on. Why not? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it, guys. Billion Americans. Let's, let's, let's see. Let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's get, go, let's get it trending. It's the same from uh, one billion Americans. The scene from uh, uh, Ferris Bueller where he goes to the museum and he's looking at the Surratt, but it's Matt Iglesias at the Congressional Budget Office. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, folks. One billion Americans. I mean, you know, just how about how about one billion Chapo fans? That's that's the world. That's a goal. That's the world. That's a goal. Now we're talking. Yeah. yeah. There we go. So that does it for this week. Uh, me, Will Meneker, signing off. Once again, thank you to Virgil Texas and Matthew Chrisman. Three of my favorite of the five billion people on the planet. Oh, back at you, buddy. And thank Chris, you. And Chris Wade, of course, too. An additional, oh, additional oh, favorite of course, person. Always Chris oh, Wade. Sweet note. I just, I, I, no, I, I think Americans should be, you know, uh, we should feel safer to build the kind of podcast that we all say we want but can't have because of you know economic precarity we uh, need one, to- one, one billion americans drake does not like one billion chapo fans <laughs> drake likes guys drake one billion gray wolves let's upzone chapo yes. what do you say <laughs> okay guys till next time bye-bye bye bye
rising in the sky. If I'm too rough, tell me I'm so scared. Your little head will come. 